So this is week four of our series, Jesus Is. And uh, remember the whole series is about looking into the nature and character of Jesus. In week one, we talked about the fact that Jesus uh, is more than uh, a prophet. He was more than a good teacher. Jesus is God. In week two, we talked about that Jesus is also Savior. He came to save us from our sins. In week three, we talked about that although Jesus is divine, he's part of the divinity, Jesus is also human. Jesus wept. Jesus was hungry. Jesus was thirsty. He was human. He came upon the earth in the form of a human. He was tempted with all the temptations you and I are tempted with, yet without sin. The Bible tells us he did that so he could have sympathy, so he could be, he could relate to what you and I are going through in our lifetime. Amen. And so today we're, our focus is going to be on the reality that Jesus is the master teacher. How many of you know that? There are teachers and then there are master teachers and Jesus is the master teacher. Amen. How many of you believe that? So I want to begin by looking at a passage of scripture in Luke chapter two. Now we don't know a whole lot about Jesus's life as a child. We, we, we have the story of his birth, but then after that, we don't know a whole lot about him, but there's a snapshot of Jesus's adolescence in Luke chapter two. And so we're going to look at that this morning because according to Luke, it became evident early on in the life of Jesus that Jesus was no ordinary child. He was not an ordinary child. In Luke 2, in verse 41, says every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem from the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But he, when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among the, their relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him, to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple. What was he doing? He was sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now we can see from this passage that Jesus from a, a very early age was very eager to learn. He was very eager to learn about spiritual things. At 12 years of age, he's sitting at the feet of the religious leaders and he's asking questions and he's responding to the teaching they had. And the verse 47 says, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So we can see Jesus had an extraordinary ability to understand spiritual things. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, it says, And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with men. It didn't take long when Jesus began his ministry for people to recognize that he was somebody special. He was somebody totally different. Jesus was a master teacher. Even the most educated religious leaders recognized that Jesus 
was a special teacher. In John 3 and 1, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now, remember, this is Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was also a a religious leader. He was part of the Sanhedrin. And so, which means he was part of the religious leadership. And so Nicodemus goes to Jesus by night. And notice what Nicodemus acknowledges Jesus as and addresses him. He says, Rabbi. Now, the word rabbi was an official title of honor to, to, given to someone who was recognized as a master teacher of spiritual things. And so people, even religious leaders, began to call him rabbi, began to acknowledge him as this master teacher. This very learned and experienced and educated religious leader sees that Jesus is a cut above. He's different than everybody else. Now, why was it? How do we know that Jesus is the master teacher? I'm saying that Jesus is the master teacher. But is he really the master teacher? And how would we know? Nicodemus said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with us. See, Nicodemus just looked at Jesus and he watched, he observed, and he said, I can tell by the miraculous miracles and signs that are following your teacher that God is with you. We know that Jesus was a master teacher because God confirmed the fact that Jesus was a master teacher by the signs and wonders that followed his teaching. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, Peter said, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed the Nazarene, Jesus the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. How many of you know that's a great thing? When God publicly endorses you as the master teacher, God publicly endorsed Jesus as the master teacher. The crowds also recognize that Jesus was an extraordinary teacher. You remember when Jesus finished teaching what is called the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever preached. The crowd recognized something was different about Jesus after he finished teaching. In Matthew 7 and 28, says when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. The crowd recognized something was different about him. And for he taught with real authority, unlike their teachers of religious law. Now, the crowd that was listening to Jesus teach, they recognized something was different about Jesus. And they said, listen, this guy teaches with more authority, unlike the other religious leaders. Real authority, meaning he taught with special ability. He taught with special strength, with special influence. When Jesus taught, it was more than mere words. There was something behind the words that he spoke that carried great weight and great influence. Amen? Jesus taught quite quite unlike anybody that they had ever heard of. The crowds were amazed at his teaching. Well, just how good of a teacher was Jesus? Well, think about this. Consider this. His teachings have influenced over two billion people. Two billion people identify themselves 
as Christians and bear his identity and his name. His message has traveled the world from from Jerusalem throughout the entire globe. Multiplied hundreds of thousands of lives have been transformed by the power of his message. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to the power of his message? Are you here with me this morning? Are you awake here this morning? Jesus is the master teacher. Amen. Think about this. The lost were found. The proud were humbled. The discouraged became encouraged. The guilty were pardoned. The lame walked. The deaf heard. The blind saw. The sick were healed. The hungry were fed. The demon possessed were delivered. The spiritually imprisoned were set free. And the dead were raised. No one else can make that claim. No one else can make the claim that Jesus' own message and his own teaching had made. Someone said, if the success of the student or the student's is the measure of the teacher, then no teacher was more successful than the master teacher, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is the one and only master teacher. Jesus is the one and only master teacher. He's not just a teacher. He's the master teacher. He's not just a prophet. He is the master teacher. Amen. Now, here's the point of today's lesson. Why did I just say everything I just said? If we're willing to learn, Jesus can teach us all how to live the good life. Jesus can teach us all how to live a better life than we've ever lived before. I'm just wondering if there are any testimonies in this room of Jesus changing your life and helping you live a life like you've never lived before. Are there any witnesses here this morning? Come on, are there any testimonies here today that Jesus truly is the master teacher? The master teacher can help you live the good life. In John 10.10, Jesus said this, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus declared by his own words, his entire purpose to be to help and to teach us how to live a rich and a satisfying life. In Matthew chapter 20, uh, Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, burned out with life, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus desires to teach us all how to live a rich and satisfying life. Not only does he have the desire, how many of you know he has the ability to teach you how to live a rich and a satisfying life? Amen. So how does Jesus do that? How does Jesus teach somebody to to live that rich life, satisfying life? I want to suggest to you three ways that you can learn how to live a rich life, a satisfying life, regardless of where you are. Let me just mention, it doesn't matter where you are right now. God has more for you. Amen. It doesn't matter how well your life has been to this point. There's there's other challenges. There's other problems that you're going to face. There's other 
circumstances that you can face. I'm telling you, Jesus wants to teach you how to get through those problems and circumstances better than you've ever been able to get through them before in your life. Amen. How many of you know Jesus is not dead? He's alive and he's here today to teach us how to live life. Let me just a little little commercial. Tiny and I went to to see God is not dead Thursday. How many of you seen that movie? I want to, I want to encourage if you hadn't seen, that's a good, a good use of money right there. I think you're going to be encouraged. Amen. God is not dead. He's alive. And Jesus is here today on this earth in Lafayette, Louisiana, trying to help people live a better life. So three ways Jesus teaches us. Number one, Jesus teaches us through his words. In John chapter six and verse 63, Jesus said, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. How many of you know, saints of God, there are no words. There are no words that have been penned. No words written that have more power, that have more ability to release life over people than the words in red and the words in the Bible. There are none. It doesn't matter what philosopher, what educated person tells you. There are none. That can touch your life and change your life like the words of Jesus. How do we know that? Look at the power of his message. Who else can you compare next to Jesus that can claim the claims and that have the testimonies of the students of lives have been transformed through the power of the message of Jesus Christ? There is none. Amen. Jesus said, he said, I have spoken to you. The words I've spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. Remember when Jesus told the story about the men, the two men who built their house on, on this foundation? And he said, one built the house on a rock and one built his house on sand. He said, both of these men experienced a great storm in their life. One of these men's house stood. One of them fell. Do you remember that story? Jesus said, the only difference, he said, listen, the wise man built his house on the rock, the foolish man built his house on the sand. Jesus said, really, the only difference between the wise man and the foolish man is is this. One man allowed his teachings to influence his life. It's the only difference. Listen to what he said in Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it was built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come, the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And notice the key difference between the wise and the foolish. Verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it. Verse 26, but anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who built his house on the sand. The difference between the wise and the foolish is not what they learn. It's what they do with what they learn. The wise learn and apply Jesus's teaching into their life. They learn and obey. The foolish, they learn also. They learn. They may know as much as the wise man does. The difference is they, 
They don't, the foolish man ignores it, the, the teaching says. His teaching, they learn, but they ignore. They don't follow through. They don't obey. So the foolish makes no effort to follow through with what they learn from the master teacher. Do you know that you can be a church-going person for 20 years and know lots of what Jesus says, but your life is not changed? It only changes when you apply what you learn from the master teacher. See, there are two keys to allowing Jesus to teach you. First, you got to learn it. you got to learn what he says. you got to learn what he says. Now listen, if i got a half hour and I can listen, read, watch anything, why would I not listen, read, study the Word of God over anything else if Jesus' words has the power to transform my life? See, first you got to learn it, but then you got to apply it. you got to apply what you learn. See, many people are stuck between these two keys. They learn what Jesus says, but they're stuck and they don't apply it. Can I encourage you today that it's not merely enough to learn what Jesus says? The devils know what Jesus say. The agnostics know what Jesus say. The atheists know what Jesus say. Other people of other religions know what Jesus say says, but it doesn't change their life. Because they don't apply what Jesus says. When you begin applying what Jesus says, look out, your life is about to get to another level. Amen. Come on, can I get a witness here today? See, listen, if you want to be treated well, if you want people to be nice to you, if you want to have a lot of friends, then you know what you need to do? You need to learn to follow the golden rule. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 12, He says, don't do to others, or excuse me, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So listen now. He says, do to others whatever you would like them to do. So Jesus is saying, if you want people to be nice to you, be nice to others. Very complicated, isn't it? Very, very hard to understand, isn't it? It's the golden rule. Listen, if you want people to be very judgmental and ugly towards you, then you just go ahead and be very ugly and judgmental towards others. And guess what? You get a chance to experience people that are very ugly and very judgmental. Amen? So the truth is, listen, here's the point. You can know the golden rule, but not apply the golden rule. It's not just good enough to know the golden rule. You got to apply the golden rule. See, there's some people that are constantly getting treated by others with ugliness. And they're constantly getting treated harshly. And they, they, have, they haven't connected the dots yet. That the reason why that they're getting treated that way It's because they maybe have learned the golden rule, but they have never applied the golden rule. Are you all with me out there? So here's the truth that you need to know. The more you learn and obey Jesus' teaching, the more you enjoy the good life. Amen? 
James said it like this. He said, James chapter 123, if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, that sets you free. And if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. That's good, isn't it? The second way Jesus teaches us how to live the good life is through his life's example. Did you know we learn more by what we see than by what we hear? You know, like as parents, we want, to, we want our children to be good, upstanding adults whenever they grow up. And so we teach them how to be that. But how many of you know, if we teach them what we don't live, our message won't have the impact that we desire it to have. Because people learn more by what they see than by what they hear. Amen? Y'all agree with that? They say we retain 10% of what we read. They say we retain 20% of what we hear. They say we retain 30% of what we see. It's getting higher. But we retain 50% of what we see and hear. And so by design, God has filled his word with many examples from the life of Jesus. Examples of how he handled the problems and the practical situations of life. And so, why did he do that? Why did he, why did he riddle the pages of the Gospels with real life stories of how Jesus handled life? Well, I believe the reason is so we can learn, understand, and receive and retain practical wisdom from Jesus on how to live our life. It's a word picture. It's an example. Remember when Jesus had supper with his disciples? And at this supper, he did something that really blew them away, that they had trouble dealing with. They were, they were greatly convicted. And they didn't know how to handle what Jesus was doing. He had the audacity to grab a towel and a basin and go to the disciples and to begin washing their feet. You remember that? And, and, you know, one particular of the disciples said, you're not washing my feet. He said, okay, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you have no part with me. Okay, all right, wash, wash my head, wash everything. Because I want to be part of you. But do you, you know why Jesus did that? Well, he tells us. There was a purpose in Jesus washing his feet. In John 13, 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Now watch the next verse, verse 15. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master. Nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Does that sound familiar? God will bless you for doing them. So you know why he washed their feet? Because he wanted to show them that no service 
No service is beyond the reach of a true leader in the kingdom of God. And he says, listen, I am Lord and I am master teacher. But it doesn't mean that I can't put a towel over my arm and go wash somebody's feet. He says, now listen, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, get off your high horse, humble yourself, and go see how many people you can serve. And the more people you serve, the more influence you're going to have, and the more God can use you. See, Jesus taught by example. He taught his disciples by example on how to serve others. Howard Hendricks said this in his book, Living by the Book. It's a book about studying the Bible. And he says, listen, if you want to get better at applying the Bible to your life, then you really need to ask questions about the text that you read. And he lists nine questions that we should ask about the text that we read in the Bible. Is there an example to follow? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a prayer to repeat? Is there a command to obey? Is there a condition to meet? Is there a verse to memorize? Is there an error to mark? Like not with the word, but with our theology. And is there a challenge to face? But Hendricks said the very first question we should ask is, is there an example to follow? See, I think sometimes we make a mistake of thinking that the Bible was given to us with the intention of increasing our knowledge. Well, the Bible wasn't given to us to increase our knowledge, to increase our information. The Bible was given to us to transform our lives. And we need to constantly be asking, is there an example to follow? So listen, let me, let me practically apply washing feet. All of us, I'm going to use the analogy again as parents, we desire to influence our children. Do you know the best way to influence your children is by being an example to them and begin to serve them with their needs and they might listen to your theology. Amen, just the thought. So here's the bottom line. If you want to learn more from Jesus on how to live the good life, continually read and reread his story through the Gospels over and over again. Why? Because his personal example will teach you and motivate you how to handle practical situations. How many of you know Jesus? Why he lived as a human? He had practical problems. He dealt with practical situations, amen? And he will teach you how to handle practical life experiences, amen? Can I get a better amen? Amen. Number three, the third way Jesus teaches us how to live the good life is this. You can live the good life by opening up your heart to the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to look at this verse in John 14, 26. Jesus said, but the comforter, The counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, stand by. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall, will remind you of bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. 
Now, don't you think we could learn more from Jesus if we physically had Jesus with us to follow us around every day, to come to work with us on Monday, amen, to go to traveling down Johnson Street with you every day? Don't you turn, don't you think you can learn more about how to handle life? If you could just have him with you at your house while you're just trying to make relationships work out. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is like having me with you every day. The Holy Spirit is my representative. In John 14, 26, Jesus said, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is our tutor. The Holy Spirit is our mentor to help us learn and understand and retain what Jesus was teaching. See, if you divorce yourself from the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like not having that special mentor, that special tutor. Did you know the Holy Spirit was the overseer, the super, the supervisor of the Bible getting written? Did you know that? In 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, I want you to notice, Timothy says that all Scripture is inspired by God. What does that mean? Inspired by God means that every thought, every word was divinely directed by God and that the writers of the Bible did nothing but merely write as the Holy Spirit dictated and spoke to them what to write. In essence, you could say, that the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. Now, how many of you know you can learn more about the book when you know the author? Amen? So here's the point. The more open to the Holy Spirit we are, then the more we can learn and understand Jesus' teaching. The more we allow the Holy Spirit to be involved with our lessons the more we will understand exactly what he's the point that he's trying to get across. Amen? Why? Because nobody can help you learn like the author that wrote the book. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will teach you what I said. Listen, not only teach you, but whenever you need it the most, he'll remind you of what I said. Amen? Amen. Listen, the true, the truth of Scripture is that sometimes it's 18 inches away from transformation. It's 18 inches away from really transforming your life. A lot of times we know it in our head, but it hadn't yet got into our heart. We can quote it. We can tell you what Jesus says, but it hadn't really dropped down into our heart. Amen. Some of us have knowledge of the words of Jesus, but yet it's just in our head and it hasn't dropped down to our heart. Amen. You know, before I came, became a Christian, I had a Bible. And I actually tried reading the Bible. And I would read the Bible, and it just seemed like I couldn't make heads or tails about what the Bible was trying to say. I mean, I'd get lost somewhere in the Old Testament, 
And they had this great slaughter, this great army battle. And I was like, man, you know, we hadn't had World War III yet. And I just really couldn't grasp. I read the scripture and I just really couldn't grasp. And then one day I got saved. I got born again. And then next time I picked up the Bible, it was like it was a totally new book. It was a totally different read. What what made the difference? The Holy Spirit had come into my heart. And the Holy Spirit was now opening up my understanding to the words of God. Amen. You know, receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation removed the veil of misunderstanding. It removed the veil that was keeping me from really understanding what Jesus was trying to say. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 14, But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. That was my problem. I had a veil over my understanding, because I hadn't yet received Jesus. Did I believe in Jesus? Yes. Did I believe in God? Yes. Did I go to church? Yes. But I hadn't yet surrendered. I hadn't yet become a Christian. Whenever I became a Christian, verse 16, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away for the Lord is the spirit is the spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. The Holy Spirit removes the mental and spiritual veil that blocks our understanding. The more spirit filled you are, the more biblical knowledge you receive. The more spirit filled, the more the Holy Spirit is working in your life, the more understanding you're going to receive. You know, I noticed in January, every year in January, during the 21 day fast, I always receive a new revelation from the word of God. Scripture I already knew. Scripture I've read time and time again. But somehow this time, whenever I read it, It just leaps off the page. And I see it like I never saw it. It's like it was hidden from me before. And it's illuminated to me. Remember the two words for the word of God? There is the logos and there's the rhema. The logos is the written word. And the rhema is the revealed word. Do you know you can have a whole lot of logos knowledge. But have no rhema knowledge. Have no revelation. Have no Revealed word. Amen. How many of you know it's that revealed word that will make the difference in your life? Amen. Do you know that scripture in Proverbs that without vision, my people perish? Do you know what that word vision really means? Without a word, my people perish. How many of you know we need a word from God to keep us from perishing? Amen. We need a word of God to transform and to change our life. And that word comes from the revelation of the scripture. It comes through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Three ways the master teacher teaches you to live the good life. Number one, through his word. Number two, through his life's example. But number three, opening up your heart to the Holy Spirit. Now, if we're going to receive and learn from Jesus, we must have a teachable spirit. We must have a teachable spirit, which means... We gotta.
think that we need to learn something. You know what I mean? Proverbs 11.2 says, Pride leads to disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. You see, it's our own pride that blocks our way from receiving from Jesus. It's our own belief that we know everything already that keeps us from receiving life-transforming truth from Jesus. You have to have enough humility to know you don't know everything. It doesn't matter how schooled you are, how many degrees you have. You could be a doctor. You can have multiple doctorate degrees. But the Bible says we look through the glass dimly. Nobody knows full knowledge of everything. All of us have just scratched the surface of the vast knowledge that God has. Would you all agree with that? And if we will take the posture of humility and say, Lord, I want to learn more. I want to learn more how to live the good life. I want to learn new lessons. I believe the Lord will begin opening up His Word to us like never before. Amen? And not only do we need a teachable spirit, but we also need a surrendered spirit. you got to surrender. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28? He said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. That's kind of like being burnt out on life. And he says, I will give you rest. I'll change your life. But listen to what verse 29 says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In other words, come into my classroom. Don't ask me to go into your classroom. You can't teach me anything. I'm God. Come into my classroom and you'll learn something. Amen? Because some people have built their own classroom. And they'll tell you what I believe, my opinion about that, I think. And we have this philosophy of life where we think we've already got it figured out. But Jesus says, well, you stay in your own classroom and see how that works out for you. But if you want to learn how to live a good life, come into my classroom and take my lesson plan upon you, take my yoke upon me, and I will teach you how to live the good life. Amen? Come on, how many of you know that's the best life to live right there? Amen? But listen, I tell you what you got to do is you got to give up your yoke your way of life, your, your behavior in life, your way of thinking to live your life, you got to give that up. You can't take his yoke and have your yoke. you got to give up your yoke and then take up his yoke. And then you'll learn from me, he said. And I will teach you how to find rest for your souls. Amen? Would you stand with me? And let's close in prayer. How many of you feel I could learn a little more? Well, let let me read this verse and then I'll ask the question again. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. How many of you feel I could learn a little more? (laughs) That'll help you right there, right? You see, the reality is we all can learn more, right? So how many of you want to learn more? How many of you like to learn from the master teacher? How many of you got some problems, some burdens, some situations that you need some help with to learn how to live your life? How many of you believe Jesus can teach you? You know, listen, you could just hang out there in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mouth, and boy, there's a whole lot there. And I think just right there in that 
Sermon on the Mount, you can learn how to live life better than you ever have before if you just learn and obey, follow what Jesus teaches you. See, I'm amazed that people in church that have heard sermon after sermon after sermon, when they get out of the walls of this church, if we followed them around with cameras and, and, and just recorded how they live their life, we would be amazed. Because somehow it got stuck right here. It's in their head, but it hasn't got to their heart. Because number one, they either don't walk in humility, or number two, they hadn't surrendered their heart to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I don't know how to do this. I would like to learn, though. Would you just bow with me as we pray together? If you're here today, and you've never surrendered your life, you've never asked Jesus to forgive you, you've never got past just believing in God, but repented of your sins and said, Jesus, I'm sorry for the way that I've lived my life and I want to live a different life. I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. Or you may be here. You may, be, you may have been raised in church. You know more scripture than the average churchgoer. But yet you've not surrendered. You've backslidden. You're not living the way that God wants you to live. A foolish man built his house on the sand. One day a storm will hit every person's life. Only the man or woman that's built his life on the wisdom of God will stand. If you've never surrendered or maybe you need to make a recommitment today, I want to give you a chance to do that. With everybody's head bowed and everybody praying. Just, just in respect of everybody around. If that's you today, say, Todd, I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need to be a Christian. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Or if you say, you know, I used to be walking with God, but I'm backslidden. Pride will keep your hand down. Humility will say, that's me. I need. I need God. I need, I need to have my sins forgiven. If you, need, if you need prayer today, just raise your hand and raise it high. And just say, that's me. Right here, sir. Anybody else? Way back here. Way back here in the back. I see your hand. Anybody else? This is your moment. This is your chance to walk in humility. This is your chance to surrender to the Lord. This is your chance to turn your mind, to change your mind. Turn your life over to the Lord. Listen, those of you that have your hands raised, look up here at me and just pray this prayer. Look up here at me if you have your hand raised and just say this from your heart. Say, Jesus, I need you. Let's all pray together. Jesus, I need you. Lord, I know I've sinned and I've fallen short. But today, I repent. I turn my life to you. I want to live for you. I want to walk with you. Jesus, I want you to be my master teacher. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me, for forgiving me, and empowering me to live a changed life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Now listen, Pastor Kelly, would you just step up here? Just step up here. Pastor Kelly is going to be right here. If you pray that prayer, the Bible says it's important that you acknowledge Jesus to people. Come and tell them. we got some information for you to help you get started. Amen. Now I'm praying for more revelation. How about you? I'm praying for more divine light. How about you? Come on, let me pray for you as I dismiss you. Father, I pray for release 
of divine light, a release of divine blessing. God, help us learn more from the master teacher. May the favor and blessing of the Lord be upon the people of God today. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And everybody that agreed shouted and said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, we'll be here. If not, be blessed. You're dismissed. Have a great day.